the partnership model never worked because of two things. One is that the partnership model is based on the partners being finders. The other problem with it is that you are mixing skill set with ownership. If you don't change how you do things, but you, you change what you do, so in other words, you change industries, then if you don't change how you do it, and then you replicate the problems you had in your first industries in the second industries within a few years. And that's what happened to me. I mean, I when I got to working 100 hours a week, I was looking at changing what I did. So I was looking at selling it and going doing something else completely. But luckily I realised that if I changed how I did it, because if I did that and went into another industry, if I kept how I was doing in the first industry, in the second industry, within five years I'd be exactly the same as where I was in the first industry. Lucky I realised that and I changed how I did it. As soon as I changed how I did it, I didn't need to change what I did. You are listening to Australia's Tax News Podcast, Tax Talks, the podcast for Australian tax professionals. Welcome to episode 205 of Text Talks. This is Heide Robson and thank you to Klaas for sponsoring this episode. The partnership model doesn't work and it never really worked. At least this is how Ed Chen of Wise Mentoring and Chen and Naylor sees it. Here's Ed. Why does the traditional accounting partnership model not work anymore? Well, I don't think it ever worked. Right? And the reason why I don't think it ever worked was because we followed the medical profession and we followed the legal profession. And unfortunately, the three professions aren't exactly the same. And it never worked because of two things. One is that the partnership model is based on the partners being finders. So generally, if you're a finder, you'll get invited in to be a partner because that's how, that's their model for growth. So they use finders who are partners who grow the business. So if you're a grinder, there's a lower chance that you'll get invited in to a partnership. If you're a minder, then there's a, a higher chance. But if you're a finder, that's a really good opportunity to, to buy because that's their growth model. So their growth model is based on partners being finders. But my argument is that if you have that kind of a growth model, then you're people dependent and not systems dependent. And if you're people dependent, then when those people leave, right, they'll take that business with them or that's the end of your growth and that requires you to find extraordinary people and it's much better to have an extraordinary system. So if you have an extraordinary system, then you can hire ordinary people and ordinary people are a lot more abundant than extraordinary people. Therefore, your system's dependent and not people dependent. So the partnership model is more about being people dependent rather than systems dependent. So I, I prefer a, um, a more of a corporate model and uh, a corporate model differentiates skills from ownership. 
So in the partnership model, apart from the fact that, you know, you're people dependent, the other problem with it is that you are mixing skill set with ownership. And just because you're an owner of the business, like a partner in the business, somehow you then all of a sudden think that you've got all the skills. So not only the accounting skills or tax skills, but you've got business skills, you've got marketing skills, you've got you want to say in everything when clearly some of the partners are not qualified to give other advice, whether it's marketing or business and so forth. And the partnership model basically says that if you're a partner, you have a say in everything. I've seen partners argue for three or four hours at their charge-out rate of three or $400 an hour over what chair the receptionist should sit on. And it's just really silly. The decision-making process of a partnership is, is so slow and antiquated and nothing gets done because there's a whole lot of egos and because, you know, one person becomes a partner, I think they automatically think that they've got a, the skill set to do everything in their partnership and, of course, nothing gets done. So the corporate model, and I'm not talking about the legal structure, I'm talking about the management structure, is much more effective. So we separate out skills and occupation from ownership. So just because you're an owner doesn't mean that you're skilled to, say, do the marketing. Just because you're an owner doesn't mean that you're, a, you're skilled to be the CEO. Just because you're an owner doesn't mean that you're skilled to, to be a COO. So we separate our ownership to occupation and then we pay the people that uh, handle the different roles, so from CEO to COO to CFO, client manager, grinders, minders, we pay them according to their market salaries and uh, and what they do for those particular roles. And then they have a particular weighting in the decision-making process if they're in charge of a particular area. So if one of the shareholders is in charge of marketing, then he or she has a heavier weighting to make decisions in marketing. And if the shareholder happens to be the CEO of the organisation, then his or her KPIs are different to the KPIs of, the say, the CFO or the COO. And they have a particular weighting to the decisions within their, their structure and what they're responsible for. And, of course, they can, whilst they're responsible for their department, they can obviously ask others for their opinion but at the end of the day, it's their decision and they're then held to account to the KPIs and the results of their particular decision. And there's no arguments and uh, it's all measured on outcomes. So the person would reach out for some advice. They would make the decision. The board would then hold them to account to those decisions. And if the decision was wrong and the outcome wasn't there, you know, they'd have to change it and make changes to it. But the decision-making process is much simpler. The work gets done. There's no blockages and uh, and it's a far simpler model. And then you're not held to account by individual people. And, of course, the marketing department 
runs the marketing and we're not dependent on people to bring work in. Although if they do, and they do, obviously, because it's a relationship kind of a business, then um, they will continue to get word of mouth business. But in the main, we're trying to create this garden that attracts butterflies and be systems dependent and not have the partners be the butterfly catchers and become people dependent. And hence, the business can work without individual people. And our mantra in the WISE mentoring program is to create a business that works without you and that just pays your passive income, which is what I have in Chan and Ayla, is I just come to a board meeting once a month and it pays me a dividend because I'm a shareholder in the business and I don't work in the business, so I don't get paid a salary, but I get a dividend and I sit on the board and I come back to a board meeting once a month. And that model is much better, in my opinion, it's just my opinion, to use to run an accountancy business as hmm. opposed to a practice. You mentioned before that the partnership model in the accounting industry was modeled on the partnership model in the medical and legal professions. Hmm. But I know little about it, but the little I hear, I think the medical and legal professions are also moving more to a corporate model. Most of the larger legal practices are all based on a corporate model. Few of them have floated, and uh, you couldn't float a partnership model. No. You have to float a corporate model, and you've got to have a CEO, and you've got to have a board, and so forth. So you're right, it, it might be moving towards that. But I guess that's where we, we followed But why did we start with this? Why did it work before, but it no longer works? I can see why it doesn't work. You make a very compelling case. But why did we walk along this path for so long? You know, because we're easily talking 100 years. Oh, yes, absolutely. I've never thought it worked. And um, I guess um, it evolves that way because you might start off a practice on your own and... Uh, And then you do all the work yourself and then you sort of grow from there. And yeah, that's probably the reason. Because before technology, accounting practices tended to be a lot smaller. Mm. And so then, yes, you just had the one partner. Maybe you had two partners. Maybe if it was a really large practice, you had three partners. Mm. But now with technology, etc., you can have 11 offices as you mm. are the best example. And then, of course, the partnership model doesn't work anymore. So I can imagine actually size is one of the main reasons that it never worked perfectly, but it definitely doesn't work now. Yes, and, and I think that's probably the main reason. But, you know, even as, as a smaller practice, it should be run as a corporation. And, and the smaller you are, the more roles that you've got to hold. And so you may have to hold the CEO role. You may have to hold the COO oh, oh. role. You may have to hold the CFO role. And, uh, and you may have to hold the client manager role. And then you get other people doing the grinding and the production senior production manager. And then as you grow, then you step away from those roles and you hire people to replace them. But I think it's important that you start off as a corporate role, a, a corporate model, and then continue to grow it on that basis. Because if you think that way, mm. then you can grow the business into that direction. Whereas Correct. if you always think of it as a partnership model, then you don't put the system and processes in place to make it um, Correct. So a corporate as, business. As an example, if you think of it as a partnership, then instead of 
investing money into marketing, be looking for another partner to grow the business. So you won't look at marketing as your means of growing. You'll look at bringing another partner who's a finder to grow. So if you start off that way, it shapes the way you think and therefore it shapes your, your, your practice and the way the practice grows. So I think it's very important that you start off thinking the right way. You mentioned in our last talk or the talk before that, that Chenanella is on the BRW list and is at number 27. I found that very impressive. How do you get onto the BRW list? Do you have to apply or they just review? Where did they get the information from to assess that you are number 27? They send out a letter to everybody and invite you to enter. And uh, I think the criteria is, by the way, BRW is no longer around. They, oh, I see. I yeah, didn't they, know that. They've closed up and they don't run that anymore. So it's gone into the Australian Financial Review. They run a... Um, so AFR? Yeah. They, they, I, think, I think they run a, um, a top 100 accounting firm. So they've taken over from BRW. I see. And, of course, you're on that list. Uh, no, we didn't go in there. They, they've only just started, so they yeah. only just took that on and we didn't go in. I see, and, um, because you didn't respond to the letter or you didn't receive yeah, the letter. Yeah, didn't receive the letter. You will write to them for the next list. Well, I'm, I'm not sure because there was a lot of work and I'm not sure if there was any any benefit. We won the BRW's fastest growing accounting firm. We won it four times. Did the partnership model ever have an advantage over a corporate model? With hindsight, should we have started with a corporate model straight away? I guess the problem has been, as we alluded to, that, you know, when you start off small you and you're on your own and then you bring in another partner, then that's the natural progression. So it would be, I guess most people would think it a little bit unusual that if you're on your own and you're running a corporate model, It's unusual. And if you had two partners and you wanted to run it as a corporate model, that's unusual as well. I guess um, through evolution, it's done that. And most of the really big, not most, some of the really big practices, whilst there's still a partnership model, have gone to a corporate model. And that's that's because of size. But, you know, when you're very small, I guess that's, you know, it's natural that you stay that way. And then Often the people that come out and run their own businesses, they want control. They want to have a say in everything. So it's in their personality. You know, they want control over everything. So they kept it at the partnership levels to have control over everything. So perhaps that's the reason. It's about control. That's pretty much it. I probably have stepped on a lot of toes and I probably, you know, the accounting industry is very old and there's very older practitioners who are very entrenched in the model. And uh, if I came up and said something like that, they would think heresy. <laughs> But that's just my opinion. And, uh, and I've run Chan and Al as a corporate model and I think that it works a lot better. But again, it's just my opinion. And as I said, you know, a lot of the older traditional Practices that are out there may find what I say offensive because it's not what they're used to. But 
again, it's it's my opinion and it's you know, worked for Chan and Naylor and, uh, and I think that that's the model for the future. Welcome back. So the partnership versus corporate model is also a question of mindset, having a path ahead of you to withdraw yourself from the various grinding roads as you grow from a small practice to a larger one. After this interview, I asked Ed a few more questions about Chen and Naila, which I wanted to share with you. I just have one question that is a little sure. bit off topic, and that is most of the 11 offices cover accounting, but then you also have these other branches. One of them is Chen and Naylor Finance. I think one of it is Wealth Management. Can you just quickly list yeah. all the other branches? Sure. It's, um, it's finance, wealth planning or financial planning. They call it financial planning. There's insolvency, business coaching, there's auditing, and that's that's about it, I think. And auditing, is that just business auditing or mm. is it also SMSF auditing? Oh, SMSFs and um, company audits and real estate audits and solicitors, trust account audits. We can say trust accounts audits. And then what's the difference between finance and financial planning? Finance is... Mortgages. Mortgages. You work like a mortgage broker in that department. Yep. yep. So we provide mortgage solutions to clients. Because often, the, especially with businesses and with property, It's very hard for the client to just go to the bank and get finance because the people there are not very sophisticated at the banks. That's why mortgage brokers has flourished is because of the quality of the people in the banks are, are really poor. So they go to a mortgage broker. So what we are is a mortgage broker. Yes, of course. And Chen and Naylor is very strong in property. Mm. Hence, it makes sense to have a division that covers mortgage brokering. Yeah, so we developed a trust called a Property Investor Trust, which has got a ATO product ruling. And, um, and it's developed specifically to hold properties in. But some of the banks don't understand it. So it increases the difficulty of getting a loan in it. So they come to our mortgage broker who are trained up in it so they can find the, the mortgage for them and uh, it makes it easier to get the mortgage for them. Why don't you have all of these five divisions in all 11 offices? They do, yeah. Oh, okay. They are. All of those, um, sorry, the first two, uh, finance and financial planning, They all, they're all in the offices. Mm -hmm. So all 11 offices. Yeah, all 11 offices has that service. And then the others, the insolvency is not required in every office. It's, you know, office might once a year might have a client that's gotten that went insolvent. Exactly. So you have insolvency based somewhere, but it serves the whole the of whole Australia. Group, yes. It's based in Melbourne, but it serves the whole, the whole group. And then the same with business, business coaching. coaching. Yes, not not everyone needs business coaching. I see. And how is business coaching different to wise mentoring? Business coaching is one to one, face to face. Yes, but with the with the accountants' clients, wise mentoring is with the accountants. So wise mentoring is ah, coaching yes, the of accountants. Course. Wise yeah. mentoring is for the accountants yes. itself, whereas business coaching actually yes. looks at the business of the client. Yes. Oh, I see. Okay. Yes. Well, whilst a lot of it overlaps, but um, 
business coaching, Chandanala business coaching, is to help our clients mm. with their business. So the coaches in business coaching would have a manufacturing background or they would have a retail background and then they would help manufacturing clients or retail clients to streamline their processes. Well, actually, what they do might be different, but how they do it is pretty much the same. So manufacturing to, you know, to retail, to uh, mm. whatever, it's... How you do it is pretty much the same. Always it's keep just, your data down. Yeah, and running your team structures, you know, um, having a team blueprint, your organization chart, your policies, no bypass policies, you know, all, all that is the same across all the industries. And often, it's a good point that you raise, it, often the, you know, if you don't change how you do things, but you change what you do, so in other words, you change industries, then if you don't change how you do it... You run into the same problems You run into the same again. problems, yeah. And then you replicate the problems you had in your first industries in the second industries within a few years. And that's what happened to me. I mean, I when I got to working 100 hours a week, I was looking at changing what I did. So I was looking at selling it and going doing something else completely. But luckily I realised that if I changed how I did it, because if I did that and went into another industry, if I kept how I was doing in the first industry, in the second industry, within five years, I'd, I'd be exactly the same as where I was in the first industry. Lucky I realised that and I changed how I did it. As soon as I changed how I did it, I didn't need to change what I did. And often you find clients change what they do and they think it's greener on the other side, but they don't change how they do it. And then they keep replicating that problem and they keep changing industries for, you know, after a few years, they'll change industries and con and constantly change. And they don't realise that if they change how they did it, then, you know, like me, I changed how I did and I didn't have to change what I did, which is changing industries. And then until I realised that, you know, I was also looking at changing what I did, which is getting out of the industry because it was too hard, I thought, but it wasn't too hard. It was just how I was doing it was too hard. You do SMSF auditing probably, or let me ask differently, do you only do SMSF auditing for the SMSFs you manage, you know, where you prepare the um, financial no. statements, etc., or do you also do SMSF auditing for other accountants? You're not allowed to do the accounting work and the audit. Some accounting practices do, and they argue that the two departments are completely separate and independent, so they still get away with it. But I do agree that it's walking on thin ice. Yes, we, we don't do that. So you only serve outside accountants? No, no. Each of the firms will audit each other, and they also audit outside accounting firms. Oh, I see. Okay. So if Melbourne has an SMSF audit, mm -hmm. then Brisbane... Can audit that. Can audit that, but Melbourne couldn't audit that. Yes. So in how many offices do you have SMSF auditing? All of them. They do. Oh, I see. Yeah. So that's something that all 11 offices have. Yes. I see. So it's only the insolvency and the business coaching that are based in Melbourne yes. and cover all of Australia. Yes, but not all the officers are registered company auditors. So registered company auditors need to they need to be a registered company auditor to register to, to audit oh, pub I see. public companies, some private companies and some trust accounts. 
So they're not all registered company orders, but you don't have to be a registered company order to do an audit on an SMSF. So all 11 offices are registered to do SMSF auditing, mm -hmm. but not every office is registered to do company audits or yeah, the general, audits. Yeah, the general kind of audits, yes. Mm. There's a lot of people don't want to do audits, general audits, because the liability attached to it's quite high, it's quite risky. So mm. a lot of the firms, the offices have um, decided not to do that. When you were still at Chen and Naylor, with just one office or two offices, did you already start these other divisions, finance, financial planning, etc., or did these divisions start after you moved into a non-executive role? It's when I started working on the business instead of in the business. So when I was working in the practice... It was just accounting? It was accounting. It was also financial planning and finance, but we outsourced that to an outside entity. And so we you know, created a joint venture with someone, if you like, and then mm -hmm. they serviced our clients. And then the insolvency and business coaching and well, auditing has, has always been there. So those three, financial planning, finance and auditing, mm -hmm. has always been there. But the other two, insolvency and business coaching, you only can start that if you're quite big and you've got a regular f a feeder into those businesses. So your database will have to be reasonable size to be able to, you know, pay everybody's bills and, you know, have enough income coming through. So that only occurred when we got larger. So when you still just had the one office, you had finance, you had financial planning, you had auditing. Yes. But it was outsourced, meaning somebody provided the service for you under a white label, meaning you labeled it as Chen and Naylor, but... Yeah, it was outside, but it wasn't even white labeled. It was just their their brand, whatever that was, AMP or, or you know, MLC or or whatever their brand was. It was, mm. it was mainly a service to the client. That's all mm. it was. And today, because of the size we're at, we've been able to bring it in-house and then label it Chan and Naylor. Welcome back. In the next episode, episode 206, at Chen, we'll talk about pricing. Until then, thank you for listening and thank you to Class for their support. Bye for now and see you in the next episode.